Man, we're so excited for you to join us uh, this morning. Man, we had a great, great weekend uh, this past week. Uh, yesterday, uh, we had a ladies' boutique here at the church. We had a ladies' boutique outreach, and I'm telling you, it was amazing. Uh, I've heard so many testimonies of, of women receiving ministry, receiving prayer, being touched by the presence of God, and also they got some free clothes and accessories and things of that nature. I heard it was free clothes, so I went down to try to get some myself, but they said it's for ladies only. So, fellas, we have to come up with something of our own. We can call it man in the basement or something like that. Maybe we can come get some root beer and beef jerky and just hang out in the basement or something like that since the ladies have their own thing. We could come up with our own. Amen? Amen. Amen. Man, I'm excited to, to be with you guys this morning. And uh, before we get started, man, this, uh, not this Wednesday, but on uh, the first Wednesday of October, October 5th, we resume our life groups. So if you want to be a part of a life group, we have men's groups, ladies groups, young adult groups, kids groups. Uh, it's, uh, we have a group for everybody. But we're going to be here at the church 6.30, first Wednesday of October 5th. Uh, be with us. We'll share a meal together at 6.30, and then we'll break off for our groups. Just want to let you know that if you're looking to get connected to a small group, a community of believers, hey, we have a place for you here at New Life Church. That's October 5th at 6.30. But how many of y'all are ready for the word? Man, I'm excited about this word. But before we get into the word, I just want to give you a little background of how I came up well, not how I came up with it, but how the Lord gave me this word. So tomorrow and I, last week, uh, man, that seems like it was so long ago, but it was just last week. But last week, tomorrow and I went to a three-day conference at Bethany Church in New Orleans. And we were there with about three to 400 or so senior pastors, executive pastors, worship leaders, youth pastors, um, uh, worship leaders. Did I say that already? I think it's a... It was any leaders in the church, any key figure, uh, executive staff, production, music, everything. It was a, a room full of leaders. And what we would have, we would have main sessions uh, where we would have a speaker. Our pastor, Pastor Jonathan Stockstill, he spoke at one of the main sessions. His dad, uh, Pastor Larry Stockstill, he spoke at another session. And Pastor Joachim, which is a pastor from Sweden, he spoke at the third breakout session. So we, I mean, at the main session. So we'd have main sessions, and then we would break out into smaller groups. But in one of the main sessions, Pastor Joachim, he preached the message that I'm telling you, in that room, it touched everybody's heart. He preached a message called, uh, I wrote it down, God's dream is in your heart. But it wasn't even the message that touched my heart. It was just a point of a story that he shared that touched everybody in the room and I'm going to tell you what it was. Y'all ready for it? Okay. So he begins to tell this story. He's from Sweden. Pastor Joachim is from Sweden. And every summer, they would do these, or every other summer, I believe it was, they would do these uh, crusades or these uh, evangelistic outreaches for youth where they would go out into the t big cities in Europe. And there was this big tour where they would go in and they would do uh, musical acts. They would act. They would sing, dance, and then they would give an evangelistic gospel message to reach hundreds and even thousands of youth in the major cities of Europe. But in particular, he shared a story that they were preparing uh, for this upcoming uh, tour that they were doing. And he was in his office working diligently on some, uh, on some things. And here's a knock at his door. And it was one of the 14-year-old girls in his church. And she came in. He said, come in. And she spoke to him and said, Pastor Joachim, wouldn't it be awesome if for our tour, if we went to Disney Paris and we began to do our outreach at Disney Paris? And he says, as she's saying these words, he's smiling with his face, but thinking to himself, little girl, you don't know what you're asking. Disney Paris, Disney is one of the most liberal companies in the world. They would never allow us to preach the gospel at Disney Paris. And he said, so he kind of shook his head, okay, yeah, that's a great idea. But he was really thinking, get out of my office so I could get back to work. And so eventually, he, the girl walked out of his office, and he said, before she could even close the door, he completely forgot about it already. And he was back to his task of what he was doing. And he said in that moment, God spoke to his heart and said, Yoakum, when did you become so proud? 
And it was in the room, it was like a bomb went off. And it began to grip everybody's heart because he began to talk about pride and how God began to deal with his heart about pride in that moment. Said, how did you become so proud that you think I can't use a 14-year-old girl to speak to you? And long story short, they ended up going to Disney Paris. Disney Paris opened up the stage room, and they were on the main stage, and they were able to present the gospel to thousands of people in Disney Paris, all because a 14-year-old girl had the, the gumption to ask her pastor, hey, why don't we give Disney Paris a try? But it was just that when he started talking about pride, God started dealing with my heart about pride. And I'm telling you, I cannot stop thinking about that message, not even that message, just that point about pride since then. And guess what we're talking about today? Pride. Because pride is something that trips each and every one of us up. I don't care who you are, how long you've been saved, we can always ask God, God, search my heart for pride. I'm, we're going to get into it today about pride. So let's just open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word, that it brings life, that it brings truth, that it brings clarity, that it brings correction. And I thank you that you open up our hearts and that we would search our hearts today. I bind any hindrances or distractions from the enemy that would try to keep us away from hearing clearly what you would have to say. Holy Spirit, give me the words to articulate this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Pride. So pride is a big deal. When I think about the state of our society, I see how pride is running rampant. Pride takes the place that says, I don't care what you think. This is my opinion. And if you don't agree with my opinion, you're wrong. If we look at the state of our um, government, it's whose side are you on? Are you on the Republican side or are you on the Democratic side? But you got to pick a side. Because if you don't pick a side, then I don't, I don't care what you think. Because if you're not on my side, you're against me. And pride takes a stance that says, I will not be moved. Pride takes a position that says, I don't care what you say, what you have to, I don't care what your opinions are. If they don't align with my opinions, you're wrong. And I will not be moved. But what, I don't care what you think. If you don't agree with what I say, you're wrong. And pride takes this defiant stance that says, I will not be moved. I will not be shaken. No matter what you think or say, I will not be moved because the pride in your heart won't allow you to. It's a defiance. It's a stance that says, you cannot change my mind. You cannot change my position in my heart. I will not be moved. And I see that in so many different areas of our society. And what it's causing is even believers to cause division in the church. Because ultimately what pride does is it causes division. Because if, if you allow pride to build up in your heart so much, you don't care about the opinions of others because all you think about is you. I'm right. You're wrong. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care about your opinion. You have to listen to me and get on my side. If not, I'm through with you. I'm canceling you. You're dismissed. I don't even want to be bothered with you anymore because you don't align with what I believe or what I feel. And we dismiss people and there's no room for grace. And pride is running rampant. Before we get the message, I want to share a, a story with you guys. In college, uh, on the baseball team, each fall, we would have what we would call inter-squad games, where basically the coach would break down, because we had so many people, coach, the coach wanted to give everybody an opportunity to showcase what they can do. And so he would break us up into teams, and we would play against each other. And just to, to prepare, prepare for the season so, like I said, he can see um, who could potentially help the team, who's not going to make the team, all those things, make those decisions. So I remember one particular inter-squad, and something about me is that when it came to baseball, I worked extremely hard. I would go early before practice. I would practice. I would stay after practice. Then I would go home, eat, change clothes, and then I would go later that night and train some more because I wanted to be the best that I absolutely could in baseball because if I didn't make it, it wasn't going to be because I didn't work hard. It was just going to be because God didn't have that in my plans. And this crazy thing was I actually had that chance, but God said, I don't have that in your plans. <laughs> and then when it happened, I, I remember asking God, God, but I worked so hard. I sacrificed all these things. 
this is after he told me no. I'm like, and years and even months later, I wrestled with it. Like, but God, why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't you allow me to play? I've worked so hard. Don't you know how much I sacrificed? That's not the plans I have for you. But what it was, it was the pride inside of me said, don't you, I was saying, do you realize how much I sacrificed God? Do you much how, how much I've done? And you're just going to tell me you don't want me to play ball anymore. You want me to do something else. But it was the pride speaking to me. But back to the story. So with this particular inner squad game, uh, there was a, I, it, was my, it was my inning where I was coming up to bat, and there was like a couple guys ahead of me. And I remember there was a pitcher on the mound. I don't even remember his name. But I knew, and everybody knew that when it came to the season, he wasn't going to make the team. Like, he had no chance of being on the team. And I just remember waiting for my turn to bat. I'm like, I can't believe they're allowing this pitcher to pitch against me. Like, do they not, do they not know how hard I work? This is, I'm, I'm having this conversation in my head. And the whole time, um, I'm like, this is not even a challenge for me. Like, this is a waste of my time. Like, please give me one of our best pitchers because I need to challenge myself because I always wanted to face the best because it always makes you better. And I'm like, this, this is not even worth my time messing with this dude. Like, why? And, and the whole time I'm having this conversation with myself, I can feel myself getting angrier and angrier. And I'm like, and I'm working, and nobody knows what's going on but me. And I'm having this conversation with myself, and finally it's my turn to bat, and I get in there, and I'm like, this is a waste of time. Why in the world? I was like, let me just go ahead and hit a home run and get this over with. And I struck out. <laughs> and to make matters worse, nobody, th at this point, is calm. Nobody thinks anything of it. But because I was having that conversation on the side before I was up, now on the inside of me, I'm exploding. Like, I'm, I'm furious. So I stopped the practice, literally. This is a true story. I stopped the practice, and I began to scream out, no, we're doing this again. I'm not going anywhere. I said, get back on the mound. We're about to do this again. And now at this point, everybody's looking around like, what in the world is going on with Mario? Like, this is crazy. And so now everybody's, yeah, like everybody's screaming. Everybody's running to the field for a big showdown that's really not a big showdown at all. I just made all this up in my mind just because of pride. And then we get in the batter's box again, and guess what happened? I struck out again. And I remember I just walked off the field in shame. Like, what in the world just happened? But what it was was pride. I talked myself up into something that wasn't even that big of a deal. But that's just how pride works. Pride, it will get to you to the place that you end up saying, how in the world did I get to where I'm at right now? Pride. And you talk yourself into it, not even realizing it, until it's, the situation is over with and you can kind of step back and look at it. And you can say, you know what? I was fueled by pride. So today we're going to talk about pride because I'm telling you, each and every one of us deals with pride. You say, Pastor, that's not me. That's pride right there. <laughs> each and every one of us deals with pride. And I'm telling you, ever since I heard Pastor Yoakam last week preach that message every day, God has been pouring out pride in my heart. I'm like, oh, God, you got to slow down now because, I mean, this is, this is too much. <laughs> this, is, this is too much, God. I, I didn't realize that the air, but it's pride, it sneaks up on you. And that's just how it works. So we're going to break this down. And this, we're going to use this one story to me that illustrates pride so much. And there's four different things in this story that we're going to talk about pride and how it affects us. And if you have your Bibles or even the app, all the notes are on the app. Download our app. New Life Church of Mobile, you can follow along there, or you could just, if you have your Bibles, you could turn to Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 through 28. So I'm going to read this whole story, and we're going to be here for the rest of the message. All the points come from this story, but this is a story that a lot of you have probably heard before. If you haven't, it is a very interesting story. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, uh, verse 20 through 28, and I'm reading out of the NLT. It says, then the mother of James and John the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a question. How did she kneel? Respectfully. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? She, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, people, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. 
But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from the bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on the right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Verse 24, then 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, and they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's four things that stood out to me about pride in that, in that story we just read. You say, well, what, what was so prideful about this? We're going to get into it. The first thing that I noticed about pride from this story is this, is that you can write this down if you're taking notes. This is the first point. Pride is subtle. Pride is subtle. Now, the example that I gave you about myself playing baseball, that's obvious. When we think about pride, we usually think about the people that's very uh, boastful. They brag about everything. Oh, look at my car. Look at my house. Look at my clothes. Look at my money. Look at my... Th that's obvious to know, oh, th that's a prideful person. But sometimes pride can be subtle. When you like, it seems like it's humble, but it's really subtle. It's pride. So it all seems like she honored... It seemed like she honored Jesus because it said she knelt respectfully. She knelt respectfully before Jesus. Notice it didn't say she knelt humbly. It says she knelt respectfully. She knelt respectfully before Jesus. This was subtle. This was a subtle move by the mom because on the outside it seemed like an act of respect. But in reality, it was manipulation to try to get what she wanted from Jesus. That's really what she, she knelt respectfully, meaning that I'm going to do what it appears to do on the outside, but really I have ulterior motives. I'm trying to get something from Jesus, so I'm going to kneel respectfully. But what she was really trying to do was manipulate, oh, look, Jesus, I come and honor you. No, you didn't. It says you just did what you did to try to get what you wanted. That's manipulation. Why? Because pride is subtle. To the naked eye, oh, why, why would Jesus deny her? She knelt so respectfully. Yeah, but in her heart, it was manipulation because she knew what she was coming to do. Pride is subtle. You know, there's this example that I want to share. There's this lady that I know that um, she did this ministry work, and it was phenomenal work. Phenomenal work. And on the outside, it looked like this lady has it all together. But the closer you would dig, you would realize that her ministry was being fueled by pride. What do I mean by that? Everything she did it was for controlling. She didn't want to listen. It was fueled by, and when I had to confront her about some things uh, just going on, and you could tell her pride was being hurt. And now all the subtleness was out the window, and it was full-blown, oh, I see it's pride now. And she made these comments, but who's going to do the work if I don't do it? God has called me to this work. Yeah, but God's not going to call you to a work and remain in that work for his namesake if you're unhealthy. And her lifestyle began to become very unhealthy. And she was still trying to do this ministry work, but her lifestyle was all out of whack. And as soon as she was confronted on the outside, it seemed like she was a humble person, but really it was pride. And eventually, it cost her her marriage, and it cost her so many other things because she couldn't handle the fact that how could God call me to this but call me to step away because you're unhealthy. But pride will get you into place to realize, well, if, if God called me, nobody, if, if I don't do it, nobody's going to. That's pride. God can surely put somebody in your place to compute the work that he has to accomplish. But pride will say, you know what? If I can't do it, nobody else is going to do it. Y'all ever saw the movie Devil, The Devil Wears Prada? Now, that lady, uh, I forget her name, the, the main character, the, the runway um, editor. Now, there wasn't nothing subtle about her at all. But she said this statement at the end. 
please, darling, nobody can do what I do. Well, they was about to hire somebody else to do what you do for a lot cheaper. But it was the pride inside of her that wouldn't allow them to make the decision because she's like, it's all about me. Pride makes itself all about me. And this woman, getting back to the story, this woman, she said, I want you, to, my sons, to sit on your right and your left, Jesus. Please let them sit on your right and the left. What does that mean? She wanted to be known as the woman that my son sit on the right and the left of Jesus. That's what she really wanted. That, she wanted to be known as the mom, as, as the lady. My son sit on the right and left of Jesus. All that had to do was bring more glory to her name and not Jesus. It had all to do with elevating her name and not lifting up the name of Jesus. But it's subtle, and you don't, you won't, if you don't look at it, you won't catch it. Because it was saying, oh, it was respectful. Oh, that's a, a favor, a respectful request. Jesus, let my son sit at your left or your right. And Jesus said, oh, well, wait a second. You know not what you ask. Because why? It was all about her. She wanted to be known as the lady. Look at my sons. I've raised two handsome young men, two godly men that sit at the right and the left of Jesus. Look what I have accomplished. What a great mother am I. That's what she wanted. But it's subtle. Uh, pride knows how to play the part. Pride doesn't care who it uses, just as long as it, gets, as it gets what it wants in the end. She didn't care that it was Jesus. She just knew what she wanted. And she was like, well, Jesus is just a mean to an end to get what I want. And if I have to use him to get it and manipulate him, then that's what I'm going to have to do. Because pride only uses people to get what they want. And they don't care who they use. Sometimes pride doesn't come out until you're in the right situation. You can seem humble, but in the right environment, your heart will show that, above, that you are above what's being asked of you or you know a better way. In other words, your heart is resistant to what is being said and your pride can't take it because pride wants to give an opinion even when it's not asked. Pride always wants to give an opinion, even when it's not asked. Why do you have so many comments on Facebook? I didn't ask for your opinion, but people want to give their opinion because they feel like I know a better way. Oh, why don't you do this? Oh, no, no, I know a better way. There was this time where they had this event at church, and this young girl was over uh, a certain area of the, of the event. And she began to serve and work diligently, and she had a system in place of how she wanted to organize the event. But all of a sudden, all these older ladies came in and just totally took over this. You should do it this way. You should do it like this. You're doing it all wrong. Why are you doing it like this? What well, you should be doing it like that. And she was so completely overwhelmed and taken aback. She's like, I'm just trying to serve, but I'm getting bombarded by all these opinions of how I should do something which really it was a simple task, but they couldn't handle that they weren't, they weren't over it. So they began to give her opinion. You doing it all wrong. You should be doing it this way. What is that? You put yourself in the right environment, pride will come out. All the other side, you would think, oh, these are some sweet ladies. They, oh, they love the Lord. You put them in the right environment, that pride came right on out. Same thing with us. We can seem all sweet and humble on the outside, but you put us in the right environment, that pride will come right on out. Oh, what, what happened to, to humble uh, Pastor Mario? It's go, where is his humble? It, it's go, you, right environment. Like I told you that story about baseball, it's gone. You put yourself in the right environment, and pride will come out. So we have to watch pride and ask God, God, search my heart, because pride can be subtle. Second thing, pride is familiar. Pride is familiar. What does that mean? If she was so close to Jesus, she would have realized that the request that she asked was crazy. Like, this is a wild request to ask Jesus. But because she was so familiar with him, she just felt like, I could just ask him anything and he'll do whatever I want because I'm cool with Jesus. A familiar spirit is a, a spirit that says this, that you, it, on the outside it seems like we're close, but inside there's really no depth to our relationship. I'm just in close proximity to you, so I feel like I'm cool with you, so I can treat you any kind of way. I don't have to honor you. I don't have to respect you. Everybody else thinks we're cool and we're close, but I'm just really familiar with you. I'm just used to you being around, 
So she was used to seeing Jesus around and doing all these things, performing all these miracles. And she was like, you know what? I'm cool with Jesus. I know him. So I could just ask him for this absurd request. Because when you're familiar with someone, you begin to cross boundaries. You begin to cross boundaries and ask of requests of things and, and do things and say things that you would never say to someone that you really respect. But what it is is you're just familiar with them and you feel like, I can say anything that I want to them because I know them. You don't really know them. You're just familiar with them. And we have to be very careful that even with our relationship with Jesus, that we're not familiar with Jesus. You know what verse that, all, uh, that, uh, that always, a thought that always gets me is when people get to heaven and it says that you will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, I did this in your name. I did that in your name. And he will say, you worker of iniquity, depart, me, depart from me because I never knew you. How could you possibly do things in his name? Do all, and he say, depart from me because you were familiar with him. You just came to church on Sunday. I'm doing my part. That's familiar. Is he really the Lord of your life? Have you really truly surrendered to Jesus? Because if not, you might just be familiar with him. You might just know a few things about him. You know a few scriptures. You might know how to respectfully bow. Oh, I know how to respectfully lift my hands and worship. Yeah, but is your heart really surrendered to him in worship? I know how to pray to Jesus. Yeah, but are you just praying for the things that you want and trying to manipulate him? See, I've been doing good, Jesus. As long as things go good, I'm in church. But when things, I'm sorry, I flip that. When things go bad, I'm in church. But when things go good, I'm out because I'm good. I don't need Jesus. Oh, but let things turn bad. Oh, I need to get back in church. What? Usually you talk to someone that's doing bad. What's the first thing they say? I need to get back in church. I need to start doing better. Yes, that's the right thing to do. But if your heart isn't truly surrendered, you're going to be in this cycle. Of keep going back and forth, back and forth all because you're familiar with Jesus and you're not truly surrendered. This lady, she was familiar with Jesus, so she had the absurd request. God, let my sons be at your right and your left. And he's probably looking at her like, woman, you crazy. But he didn't say that. He just said, you, not know, you don't know what you're asking of. Why? She was familiar. There's um, this woman. It's not even a woman. It's, this is really a lot of people. You could be so close to a person because of proximity that you feel like you don't need to change because, and I don't even want to use this word because I don't even like the way it sounds, but just for, I can't better. You could feel like, I'm just saying this, I'm, I don't really mean this like this, but you could feel like I'm on their level. Not, there's, not that there's levels or anything like that, but you could be so close to a person and, and because of who you are or your status, that you have access to people in powerful places. And just because you have access and that you know them doesn't mean that you're actually on the same walk that they're on. But you could be so close to them that you feel like, oh, I'm on their level or I have a, a, a maturity in, in th things of God just like they do. No, you don't. You just have access to them because of who you are. And I know so many people that just because they have access to, to influence your people in the body of Christ, they feel like, oh, I'm doing good with God, but in reality, their lives are jacked up. Just because you're in close proximity with those people that are living right don't mean that you're living right. But on the outside, it could look like, oh, they, oh, such and such, they talk to all these people in the church and all these leaders, surely they're doing good. Well, why is their life so jacked up? And why is their life so secret? is because they're familiar, and there's truly no depth there. But just because you have access to Jesus doesn't mean you're really following Jesus. Everybody has access to Jesus. Does that mean we're really following him? No. But we all have access to him. But if you get familiar with him, you'll seem like on the outside, oh, they're a good Christian. That's a good Christian man. That's a good Christian woman. <laughs> you better dig a little deeper. Don't get bamboozled. Why? All because of a familiar spirit. So the first thing, pride is subtle. Second thing, and before we do that, I, I, I want to share this also. What else does a familiar spirit do to you? In Matthew chapter 13, it's when Jesus return, returns to his hometown in Nazareth. And he came there 
to perform miracles, but he said he can only do a certain amount of miracles or a few miracles because of their unbelief in their heart. What they said was, oh, here comes Jesus. We know his mother Mary and his dad Joseph, and we know his brothers and sisters. And they began to, oh, that's just Jesus from the neighborhood. You know, you know his family. That's just Jesus. And it says that they were offended by him in his own heart, meaning that they were so familiar. They just saw him as the person they grew up with. That's just Jesus. And because of that, he can only do but a few miracles. How many times in our life do we treat Jesus just like that? Oh, that's just Jesus. And he wants to do miracles in our life. He wants to perform so many things. But because we truly don't honor and respect him and we treat him as common, he can't perform miracles. All because we're familiar. So what am I saying? Don't get familiar with Jesus. Don't be familiar with him. Surrender to him. Surrender. Amen? So pride is subtle. And I know this is a strong word, and this is not the God's going to bless you and turn around three times and receive. I know this is not the type of message, but this is good for you. Pride is subtle. Second thing, pride is familiar. Third thing, pride doesn't like correction or pride doesn't take correction. James and John, along with their mother, didn't receive the answer that they wanted to hear from Jesus. And what Jesus did was he corrected their perspective and put it back on mission. So how did Jesus respond to them? He corrected them, but what he did was correct them and put their eyes and their perspective and their focus back on mission. I'll read it to you again. At the end of the verse, he talked about being a servant, meaning that you're worried about sitting in the places of honor, but I've called you to serve. I've come here to serve. And what Jesus was saying is, don't worry about places of honor. Worry about the mission at hand. We've come here to serve. And Jesus redirected their, their focus and their perspective back to the mission. When we receive correction, all correction does is get our focus back to the mission, and it gets us back on track. But if our heart isn't focused and surrendered to the mission that God has for us, our pride will resist correction, and it our heart will resist correction because it's not what we want to hear or what we want to do. If your heart truly isn't fixed on the mission and the purposes and plans that God has for you, anytime you receive correction, you will immediately reject it because it's not what you want to hear. Your, your pride can't take it. Who do they think they are? They, do they know who I am? They, they know what I've been through? I, do they know what I've sacrificed? And they want me to do what? They ask me to do what? Well, can't take correction. Pride cannot take correction. You know a major correction that a lot of people can't take? And it's a simple one, but it's a correction that a lot of people can't take is being on time. A simple one. But what is that? When you're not on time for things, what it says is, my time is more important than what's going on. How many times do you have to sneak in at work? Oh, let me just hurry up and sneak in. And you try to hurry up and sneak in your desk. Oh, hey, how you doing? I've been here. No, you haven't. You just got there. You're trying to sneak in the door, sit at that computer. I'm going to get to work and make, sure, like, make it seem like I've been here a while. Oh, yeah, I've been working hard, working hard. You just walked in. We saw your car on two wheels coming in the parking lot. <laughs> but what is that? It's a simple correction that a lot of people can't take. But what it does is it says that my time is more important than whatever it is that's going on. I'll arrive when I arrive. That's a simple correction, but a lot of people can't take that. It's simple. You know, tomorrow night when we were talking, I was discussing this message with her, and we were talking about correction, and we were going back, like, just through our Christian walking, like, talking about times that we receive correction. And we also realized that we had this one thing in common. A lot of our correction that we received from authority was about relationships. It was, you know what? I don't think this is a good relationship for you. And it was up to us at that moment to say, are we going to listen to the correction? Or are we going to reject it and keep going our way? And we said, you know what? I think we need, independently of each other, I didn't know that she was having those conversations with leadership. She didn't know I was having those conversations with my leadership. But at the same time, we both made correct decisions. Say, you know what? We're going to listen to them. Because all our leadership saw in us was that, hey, this relationship is getting you off mission. 
You need to break off this relationship because it's getting you off track of what God has called you to do. And we can see it coming from a mile away. You just need to accept this correction. And you know what? We did. Did it always feel good? No. Because they're not the ones that had to feel the emotions of, we did. Because I remember one of my leaders, he would always say, now you can do what you want to do. I don't have to feel, I'm going to go to sleep at night in peace. You don't want to have to make the decision. He would always say that because that was the truth. He had no emotional attachment to it. I did. But what he was saying was, it's your decision to make. You do what you want to do. But it was really, what he was saying was, are you going to receive my correction or not? And I said, you know what? I'm going to make the correction. Now I'm going to receive it. But all correction does is get you back on track. But your pride can't handle it. Because your pride says, I know better. I know what's best for me. How they going to tell me what to do? They don't know. They, let me tell you, this is what you need to be doing. You talk, you talk about me. What about you? And, and that pride comes on out, and you want to start reading the other person's mail. But what about you? Is it, no, no, no. Let's talk about you. What, what We're talking about you. We're not talking about the other person. We're talking about you. Can you receive correction? If you can't understand why you haven't matured and moved forward in your relationship with God, maybe it's because you've rejected correction in some area of your life. Correction is not something that you pray about. You just need to do it. You don't need to pray about being on time or being in the wrong relationship. You just need to accept the correction and get back on mission. You know, some people, I'm going to just need to pray about that. That ain't nothing to pray about. You just need to accept it and move on. Well, that just don't agree with my spirit. Well, that's why you're in the situation you're in right now. Because don't nothing ever agree with your spirit. Because why? You hate to receive correction. Your pride can't take it. But when you say, you know what? I'm just, I don't need to pray about this. I just need to receive the correction. I'm telling you. It, it might be a little painful to walk through it. But what it does is it does your soul good. What it does is it brings peace. I can't tell you. How many times I listened to a word of correction in my life. I remember I had a leader one time tell me, I don't even remember what we were talking about. I, I can't even, to this day, I can't remember, but I remember what he said. He said, you know what your problem is? You need to stop being like a little boy. and You need to grow up and be a man. I said, what? What? I'm 23. What you mean a little, that's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, what do you, what you mean, little, I ain't acting like no little boy, I am a man. And he's like, you, you need to act like a man. You quit running around here, you whining about this, doing this. Quit acting like a little boy and be a man. And my pride was hurt, but I received the correction, and it helped me mature. When you receive correction, what it actually does is it helps accelerate your maturity process in the things of God. And the reason you can't mature is because you don't receive correction. You want to mature in the things of God when the Holy Spirit starts pointing things out, allow him to make allow him to speak to you, but you make the correction and I promise you you'll begin to mature in the things of God and a lot of things that will trip you up will no longer trip you up because you've matured past them. But until you make the correction, it's going to always trip you up. It's going to always trip you up. Receive the correction. Amen. So pride is subtle. Pride is familiar. Pride doesn't take correction. And the fourth thing is this. Pride resists humility. Pride resists humility. Jesus ultimately told them that the key to being fulfilled and satisfied is to be a servant. Pride wants to be served, not serving. I've never met a prideful person that wants to be served. I'm, I'm sorry, a prideful person that wants to serve. They want to be served. I've heard a story of a guy that he said he... Um, he picked up a very prominent figure in the world, and like he was his um, driver. And he went to open the man's car door, and he was like, hey, how you doing today? And he, the man just threw his bag at him. And he was like, oh, he kind of caught the bag, and he was like, oh, okay, that's how, we, that's how we're doing it. But what it was, it was the arrogance and the pride in him saying, I need to be served. I'm not here to serve. You need to serve me. Carry my bags. Do what I say. That's what pride does. Pride wants to be served. It never wants to serve others. And Jesus was trying to redirect that. Y'all come in here talking about sitting on my right and my left. What you need to be focused on is serving. What have you seen me do out of all of our time together? I'm here to serve 
those around me. That is my purpose. That is the mission of life. That's all of our mission of life is serving. And what happens is when you begin to serve, what happens is you open up your heart for the Lord to begin to speak to different areas of your life. There are so many areas of your life that God wants to have conversations with you about, but you miss out on those conversations if you never open up your eyes or never open up your heart to serve others. There are certain attitudes that you have that you will never be, that will never be exposed if you don't open up your heart to serve. I remember you asked a, little, you asked a, a, a teenager or a child, can you go wash the dishes? Wash the dishes. I don't want to wash no dishes. Attitudes come flying out. All Why? Because they don't want to serve. They want to be served. When someone asks you to serve, why you can't get up and get your own water? Why can't, why can't you do it yourself? Your legs work too. And it's like, we could come up with every excuse that that pride comes in and says, I don't know, I don't want to be, I don't want to serve, you need to serve me. But Jesus said, no, I've come to be a servant. Let's read it again. He says, for the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Meaning that I willingly lay down my life to serve. I am a servant. That is the mission. We serve. But pride says, no, humility is for the weak. You can't, mm-mm, humble, mm-mm, boast about who you are. Boast about your accomplishments. Boast about where you've, where you've been and what you've done and what you've overcome. Boast about those things. But it never wants to be humble because it hates humility. But I'm telling you, the key to overcoming pride is serving. Serve. It's Amazing, you ask a person to do one thing, that ain't my job. That, that, that's, not in my, that's not in my job description. I didn't sign up for this. Mm-mm. But then there are certain people who say, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything. And they truly mean it. What is that? That's a person with a servant's heart. They say, I'm here to serve. What, if there's nothing too big, too small. And over my, I know there's not a lot of things that, that I could say that I'm good at. But one thing that I know is, I didn't forget what got me here in this position that was serving. So why would I forget the thing that got me here in the first place? It's serving. Serving is what led me to the position that I'm in now. So why would I stop serving now? Because I, I got a title now? No. If I want to continue to be in this position, guess what I have to continue to do? Serve. But so many people serve, and then they get a little status, or they do a little something, and then they forget Oh, you forgot how you got to where you got to, to the place you are now. Serving is what got you there. Now you just now you're too big to serve. Now I have assistants that do this for me. Now I have my little entourage that you go do this, you go fetch that. That's for the common folk. The serving in the church is for the new believers. That I'm I'm mature in the things of God. I don't need to serve anymore. That is beneath me. And we laugh, but people have that attitude. I've been saved for 30 years. What you want me to serve for? Be careful. That pride coming on out. God has called us all to serve. You know, the funny thing about service is like people in the service industry are the ones that have the worst attitudes. Fast food industry is like, I didn't tell you to work here. If you hate your job so much, go find something else to do. Why you got to have an attitude taking my order? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get me a little burger or something like that, and you, what you want on it? Anything else? Pull around. Why you, got the, why you have the attitude? Because they don't want to serve. They just want the paycheck. They, 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 they don't want the, they just want, they just want the, I just want the paycheck. You know, there was a, uh, there's a girl that tomorrow and I know that she has, I'm talking about, the best, one of the best personalities in the service industry that we know. And she was doing a particular function of her job, and then she was great at it. And every time we would see her, we would love to see her there. And then the next time we came, she was doing something completely different. And we were like, what's going on? Like, I thought you were doing this. Well, they moved me. But guess what? She still had the same attitude. She still had the same smile. She still had the same joy that she, she's like, why? Because she said, I'm here to serve. No matter what you ask me to do, guess what? I'm going to serve with joy. And I promise you that girl's going to be successful in all that she does because she realized I'm here to serve. And God is looking for people that has a servant 
part. The people that get elevated is the one in, in the kingdom of God is the ones that serve, not the ones that are prideful. Now, you might, your pride might get you up there a little bit, but guess what? It won't keep you there because eventually that pride is going to come crashing on down because you can't, your character of pride won't allow you to, uh, to sustain the position that God has for you. So why is it important that we're talking about pride and the things that we're talking about this morning? I'll tell you why it's important. Because the devil is the prince of pride. Pride is what got kicked him, is what got him kicked out of heaven. It was the pride in his heart that he had the thought that he wanted to be God or like God. The angels, they should be worshiping me. And it says he fell, he fell out of heaven like lightning. That quick. That quick. Faster than the blink of an eye, he was gone. <laughs> when that pride entered his heart, and not that it just entered his heart, that he received it, that he dwelled on it. And when we begin to dwell on that pride, boy, I'm telling you, it's just because why? The devil is a spirit. And he knows the only way that he can be effective if he has a person to use. Are you a person this morning? I'm a person. Guess who he tries to use? Us. What's he trying to use us with? Pride. Because he knows if I can get you full of pride in the subtle way, guess what? You'll never enter into the place that I got kicked out of. Ultimately, he wants you full of pride because he knows that if you're full of pride, you'll never enter into the place that I was kicked out of. So he's looking for any person that he can use that will allow him to use him for the gift of pride. And it ain't a gift. That's his gifts. That's the type of gifts he get, the gift that gets you kicked out of heaven and not, not let you enter. I don't want those gifts. But that's why it's so important, because he's looking for anyone that he can use to use with pride. And then the devil... And all those four areas that we talked about, I see the devil in each one of those four areas that we talked about today. I'm going to close with this. He's the subtle voice. Talked about pride is subtle. He's the subtle voice that speaks to you, that makes you feel like you're in control and you know what's best for you. You work so hard to get where you are, you don't have to listen to anyone else. He's that subtle voice, that lying subtle voice. He's the familiar voice that tells you that Jesus knows your heart. What makes you feel like you can live any way you want to, and Jesus will forgive you. My relationship with Jesus is private. I don't have to go to church. Yeah, but there's no accountability. You're just familiar with Jesus. I will, oh, oh, yeah, it's just, it's just private. That's that familiar voice that speaks to you to say, live how you want to live. Jesus will always forgive you. Will he forgive you? Yes. But at some point, you're going to have to make the decision to bow in your heart and truly surrender to him. But the enemy is that familiar voice. He's the defiant voice that speaks to you that hates correction. It causes division in your relationships because you refuse to receive the correction and change. You refuse to receive the correction and change and think that everyone is against you. That defiant voice that hates correction. He wants you to be so defiant that you reject all correction. Because he knows that if you reject all correction, that eventually you'll drown out the voice of the Holy Spirit. When you begin to reject all the correction of the Holy Spirit, guess what? The voice of the Holy Spirit becomes fainter and fainter and fainter to the point that you don't even hear it anymore. He's the voice that says, don't admit you're wrong. Stand your ground. Humility is for the weak. Speak your mind at all times and stand up for yourself. If people don't like you for you, that's their problem. Don't change for anybody. Because pride hates humility. It don't want to admit what is wrong. There was a situation that happened uh, a while ago that I was just talking to someone about. And I was like, in these situations, you have to learn how to walk away and not escalate the situation. Well, I need to stand up for myself. I can't let people run over me. Yeah, but that's, that's pride. And standing up for yourself is not necessarily speaking out and, and clashing back. It's sometimes standing up for yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to just walk away from this situation. I'm going to de-escalate the situation simply by what? But that's weak. People run over you. No, no, no. That's your pride talking. But guess what? They couldn't handle that. They couldn't handle that word of correction, and I don't even know what they're doing now. But pride, I'm telling you, pride is a monster. It wants to devour you. 
Because just like the devil's MO, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of his weapons that he used is pride. I've seen pride take out many of people. I've seen many marriages destroyed because of pride. It's funny, if you have marriage counseling with someone, it's always that one person or both parties that always points out the fault in the other one, but they make it seem like they're perfect. So you just do everything right. It's all their fault. Why? Because their pride don't want to admit that they're wrong. Well, if they were to do this and they would just humble yourself, what, what did you contribute to this? It's so funny to marriage, marriage. So you always say, we always, what's going on? And then one of them will start talking, and then the other one just sitting there, ooh, ooh, ooh. And like they can't wait to get their turn out. But let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about her. And then, and then it's just back and forth. It's like, what is that? That's pride. Because pride doesn't want to be humble and say, you know what? I was wrong. I've had a bad attitude. I've been, you know what? I have been messing. I have been whatever. But pride will say, stand your ground. Don't, don't let them see you weak. I'm telling pride destroys relationship. It brings division. James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the what? To the humble. And this translation says, but he favors the humble. Ultimately, humility is the key to breaking pride in your heart. Today is an opportunity to move the mountain of pride. It's always hard to fall if you stay on your face. It's hard to fall if you constantly stay on your face. What does that mean? That means keep your heart in a place of humility. If your heart is always constantly in a place of humility that says, you know what, I'm bowing at the feet of Jesus, then it's hard to fall. But boy, let a little pride get to your head. You're going to fall like lightning like Satan. And I'm not wishing that on anybody. That's just the truth. Pride objective is to take you out. Ultimately, it says that God opposes the proud. What does that mean? You will stop hearing the voice of God in your life if you remain proud. He'll stop speaking to you. Well, it wouldn't be that he won't stop speaking to you. you just stop hearing his voice. You will drown it out with pride. You ever see people in situations like, how did they not see that this is a wrong decision? Pride. They can't see it. Because they stopped hearing the voice of God a long, long time ago. It didn't just happen overnight. It was a long process of keep denying the voice of God. But it says he gives grace or favor to the humble. Humility is the key to breaking pride in every area of all of our lives. And sometimes that can be the hardest thing to do. It's to humble ourselves because why? Pride is that strong. Pride is that strong. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Why did I, I didn't even say that the title of the message. The title of this message today is Move That Mountain. What mountain do we need to move? The mountain of pride. We need to say to that mountain of pride, may you be thrown, lifted up and thrown into the sea. Pride, get out of my life. We speak to that mountain of pride this morning and say, pride, get out of my life. I'm throwing you into the sea, and I believe it will happen, and I'm not going to doubt in my heart. Because we can't afford to live our lives with pride. It's going to take you out. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I have a healthy fear. This is a a healthy fear of disappointing the Holy Spirit or grieving the Holy Spirit. And like I said, God has been dealing with me so much this week, this past week, more than ever on pride because I'm like, I don't want there to be any areas of my life that I don't see a pride. Because I, there's too many people falling, too many Christian leaders falling left and right. It seems like almost every week you, it's a different scandal in this. Why? Pride. I don't want there to be any pride of my, because I want to stand before you as an example that says, follow me as I follow Christ. I don't want to be a hypocrite up here talking to y'all about pride, but then back home, my wife, that man, full of pride. How, how would that, I don't want to be a hypocrite. 
I'm asking God, God, deal with my heart. As I'm preaching this message, God is still dealing with my heart. And I'm saying, God, take all this. I don't want nothing. I don't want no pride because his aim is to take you out. So today we say enough is enough. I speak to that mountain of pride and I say move that mountain. Pride, get out of my heart. Pride, get out of my heart. I cast it into the sea. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the word today. Lord, I thank you that you're speaking clearly to us today, that we will realize, Lord God, the danger of pride, of taking that heart of defiance that says, I will not be moved. I will not be shaken of defiance of pride in our heart, Lord God, that today that you will soften our heart. Lord, soften or give us a tender, responsive heart that you will truly be our God and we will truly be your people. That's your word, and I thank you for that right now, Lord God, that you give us a tender, responsive heart, that you will truly be our God, and we will truly be your people right now. Lord, I thank you right now, Lord God, that areas of our heart that we know of pride, that we've just been defiant, that we release that today. Where there's subtle pride, Lord God, we release that subtle pride right now. Where there, we've been familiar with you and others, Lord God, we repent of that, Lord God, where we can't take correction I rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus, and we cast that to the side. And Lord God, will we resist humility? We rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus, and we cry out for a humble heart. Lord, I thank you that you're transforming our hearts this morning. Lord, give us hearts that are truly surrendered to you. Let us not do our own thing. Let us not live our own way of life, Lord God, but let us live a life that's truly surrendered to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want to give one more invitation, and that's for anyone that, that we're talking about pride, but you don't have a relationship with the Lord. I want to give you that opportunity this morning to receive Jesus in your heart, to know that once and for all that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that I know that without a shadow of a doubt, I will spend eternity in heaven. If that's you, you're watching online, you're in the room, you want to pray that prayer to receive salvation, to make sure that, hey, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm right with God this morning. If that's you with no one looking around, just lift your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Just ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart. And just repeat after me, say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that in this moment, that I can come to the understanding that you are a good God, that you are a true, the true one king that reigns in my heart. And today, I lay down my life and surrender to you. I'll place none above you. And I thank you right now for a heart of humility, that a heart that says, I will serve the mission that you placed in my heart. Give me the strength, give me the wisdom, the boldness to follow you and to fulfill everything that you've called me to do. Jesus, I need you, I love you, I honor you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. If you prayed that prayer, and you're in the room, in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. Uh, fill that card out. On the back it says, uh, I made a decision. Fill it out. Drop it in the offering bucket. We love to pray with you and connect. Also, if you're online, drop a comment in the comment section. Let us know what you did, and we'd love to pray with you as well. Man, move that mountain, the mountain of pride. I pray that today that the Lord spoke clearly to your heart, that you will say, pride, you no longer live here. I cast you into the sea. And I'm telling you, God wants to continue to do a mighty, mighty work. This isn't just a one-time thing. This is a continual thing, daily thing, that we constantly have to search our heart and say, God, remove that pride, because it's subtle and it'll sneak right back in. But we closing the door today, amen? Amen. amen. If you're online, we're gonna disconnect from you in a second, but I wanna give you an opportunity to give. Uh, there's a couple ways that you could do that. You can go to our website, at newlifemobile.org. On the homepage, there's a uh, tab that says Give Online. You can give there. You can download our app 
You can give on our app as well, or you can go to our Facebook page or our website for our address and mail in a check or money order. Again, uh, thank you for tuning in online. We're going to pray with you, and then you are dismissed. Lord, I thank you for those that are prepared to give online today, Lord God. I pray that you bless their family, bless their ministry, bless everything that they do. Speak to their heart clearly right now. I pray that you pour out a blessing that they can't contain. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, we will be here this Wednesday at 630 for prayer. We love for you to be with us and also next Sunday at 10 a.m. We love you guys. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in.